0: Well, it's been three glorious days of portraiture. Two days ago, it was corporate headshots in London. Yesterday, a beautiful bride and groom here in the studio. And today, well, today I've been creating portraits for the guys at the Hearing Dogs for Deaf People. I am really, really, truly in my happy place when I'm pointing the camera at someone rather than something. I have no idea why it is, but it's people that seem to make everything, well, all okay. Even in London, when I had to create a few shots of really beautiful empty offices, those offices really only came to life when they had faces to photograph. Same office empty was stunning, but it was only when I could hear the sound of laughter that I really felt that magic. Why is that? Well, who knows? But whatever it is, for me at least, it works. I'm Paul, and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. So what's up people? I Hope you're well. As usual, we have a lot going on here. It is seven o'clock in the evening and I've just about managed to squeeze some time in to record this podcast. It's been an incredibly busy week or so. I had anticipated that we would be able to record a podcast once every seven days. And in the entire history, the entire history of the podcast, I think I've managed that twice. Maybe. <laughs> I managed to release two last week. Uh, but there's always so much going on. Just a quick heads up, our workshops are all booked up, or certainly the current batch are all booked up. We had the final booking for our uh, Mastering the Business of Portrait Photography workshop in the next few weeks. That was booked up uh, this week. So keep your eyes peeled. We will be releasing some new dates in the next week or two. Uh, So shout if you think of anything that you might like us to put onto the list. I know we've had a few emails and it looks like we're going to be running a beginner's day on studio lighting. In particular, I think it'll be around things like uh, headshots and simple portraits which would be a huge amount of fun. I absolutely love doing that kind of uh, portraiture. I love headshots. I really do love doing headshots because a headshot for me is just another portrait. So we're going to be running probably a day on that. Uh, But if there's anybody that fancies something different, give us a shout. And if you'd like uh, to have early notice of that particular workshop, then please do drop me an email. It's paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. That's paul at uk, um, I'm going to start this podcast with a little bit of useful software. Now, just bear in mind that I'm not an ambassador for this. This is just a piece of software that we picked up last week, and I've been working with it for the past 10 days or so. It's called Imagine AI. That's I-M-A-G-E-N-A-I. I'll put a link to this bit of software in the notes. Now, one of the things we've always struggled with here is getting our colour correction done externally. Um, We did have some lovely colour correction guys in Canada that we used for years. And when they decided during COVID to close their doors, which is a real shame, we've been hunting around. And one of the puzzles has always been, how do I get someone else to create the colours that I love? Which is basically saying, how do I get someone else to colour correct like I do? And even the guys in Canada, I spend a lot of time adjusting things. They didn't quite do it the way I loved it. There's always something to do. Anyway, we have been looking for an automated tool. Actually, to be fair, I haven't. I've been looking for any solution at all that's consistent and produces to the style that I like. Um, And we tripped over Imagine AI, or I tripped over Imagine AI, probably on a, I'm guessing on an Instagram ad or something. I don't know. And so we've been running it all week and I have to be honest, I love it. So Imagine is an automated color correction tool that hooks into Lightroom Classic. So if you're a a Capture One user, this might not be that useful for you. But if you're a Lightroom Classic user like I am, Adobe Lightroom Classic, then it's absolutely seamless. You simply upload your images and you get them back color corrected. Now, let me just explain a bit more about that. I don't know anything about the technology. I'm not an ambassador. I have nothing other than what I've read and learned, but I do have a PhD, oddly enough, in artificial intelligence. So when I see a bit of software that's using AI for this kind of work, then of course, I'm really going to be interested in it. And what it does basically is it learns how you do your own images. And then when you upload new images, it makes them exactly the way you do them. Now, I've always wanted a way of automating the process of generating our colours so that it creates colours that I love, the colours that um, I want them to be, the way I like the colouring and the brightness, which is very peculiar to me. And yes, all right, there's a million variations out there and you can download colour profiles and all the rest of it. But what I wanted was something that would fine-tune for every image I shoot, it would fine-tune the colours to give me the finish that I'm always looking for. So I uploaded 16,000 color corrected images. And yes, you did hear that right. That is 16,000 images with their attached color correction. So those are raw files with their color correction. The tool lets you do this. You don't go through one by one uploading 16,000 images. You tell the tool which folders to upload, And I'm very lucky here. We have such a big archive and we catalogue and keep everything so well organised that I could find 5000 images of each of the different types I wanted to create and then push them up for the system to learn. So we did one for portraits, one for weddings and one for our hearing dogs. I'm in a good position to be able to do that. It might not be something everyone can do, but I could do it. So we uploaded 16,000 images and created three different profiles. Like I said, one for portraits, one for weddings, one for hearing dogs. You can create as many as you like. So if you wanted to, for instance, you could create a landscapes one. You could create one where you only put up portrait studio images. You could, if you wished, have different styles. So if for some gigs you like the colours to be really clean, let's say you do commercial portraiture, Uh, You could create a profile of those, and if for some stuff you like it a little bit more grungy in the raw file stage, then of course you can create that too. Now it does take a day or two for the AI system, the artificial intelligence system, to learn what you like. So what it's doing is it's looking at every image that you put up, every raw file you upload, in this case I've used raw files, and then it's looking at the color correction that you applied to that image it's learning i'm guessing a few different bits but it's learning how to recognize that image it's then learning what color you wanted it to end up looking like and it buries that away so next time it sees an image something like that in your upload it will give you the colors something like the ones you asked for very simple really in theory but of course the technology to do this is all relatively new so uh, to create a profile, you open the software, you select the catalog Out of all of those files. You tell it what the profile is going to be called. You upload it. You leave it learned for a couple of days. Once you get to use the software, all you do is do you select your Lightroom catalog. You choose the images in it that you want color corrected. You choose the profile. So let's say after today, I've been working with the hearing dogs. Tomorrow, we'll do a selection, do a cull. We'll select those images in Imagine in the catalog. I'll upload them. And within about, I guess, 15 minutes, something like that, depending on the speed of your network to upload the images, we'll get the colors back. And seriously, the best bit of this for me is that the colors look like how I would have set them. Now, some bits are not quite right. You know, sometimes in certain lighting conditions, the colors are a little adrift. And all that really means is that when I created the profile, when I uploaded the training images, probably I missed that out. Maybe there wasn't an image with that peculiar combination of light and background. Well, no worries. I'll fine tune those. And then when I finished, I'll upload those images into the same profile and the system will continue to learn and evolve. And what I love is it honestly, I opened the catalog when I'd finished and it just looked like I'd done the color correction. Now, if you don't have access to 5,000 images for each profile. Then that's not necessarily a problem. You can choose from a whole load of other people's. They're called talent profiles. You can choose one of those and apply those colours. I did try that. I had to play around with that. The colours weren't quite what I wanted because really I wasn't looking for anything artistic. I was looking for something or someone who would colour correct the way I like to colour correct And this seems to do it. I'm an early user. I've only been working with it for 10 days or so. Uh, I will give you an update uh, in a future episode. But what I love is that it so far appears to do precisely what I need it to do. Now, if you fancy having a go at this, you can log in, you can create a membership, and it will give you the first thousand images for free. Uh, And after that, it's five cents an image. So for us, let's say I do a wedding of uh, 400 images. Then that's about $20, which the way the pound is going at the moment is about £80. (laughs) It's not ideal. It's really not ideal uh, that it's uh, priced in dollars. But what can I say? I can't do anything about our crazy government and what they're doing. It's five cents an image. First thousand images are free. And for me, that is completely and utterly manageable and just a reminder i need to be really clear about this i am not in any way shape or form at least at the time of recording i am not uh, an ambassador for this software i'm not being paid for this plug it's just that when i put this podcast together the whole point of it was to help and find tools uh, or processes or ideas or ways of thinking or business tips that would be useful right Um, and this is one of them i found a bit of software that really, really, really saves us time. Uh, I've been looking for it for a long time. It seems to do the job, certainly, uh, this point, uh, at this point in usage. And so if you fancy it, it's called Imagine, and uh, I'll put the link in the podcast notes. Anyway. Point of this particular podcast wasn't to, wasn't to talk about a bit of software I found that was brilliant. You should try it. It's to talk about uh, something that occurred to me while I was at Tame Food Festival. So that's Tame, spelled T H A M E. It's our local town, and they have every year a huge food festival. And Sarah and myself took the Land Rover and a Gazebo and a whole lot of product and we ran a little campaign down there. We do that most years. Well, I say most years. We did it once, and then COVID kiboshed it and then we've done two more. So we've done it three times. Now, we're always looking for different ways as a reason for reaching out to our clients. You can use awards. You can do something where you've been in the news. Uh, you can even to celebrate my birthday. I've done X, Y, Z. And throughout the year, there are reasons why you might want to send out a newsletter or maybe you generate a campaign, maybe do some Facebook advertising. Well, one of the things we do here is once a year, we take our stuff and go and stand on a field with a whole load of other people, mostly interested in food and drink. You've never seen so many gin companies in all your life. And you get to meet a lot of clients and generally Well, chat and have a nice time. We give out vouchers or say we sell vouchers and the vouchers that we've sold historically are worth about 10% of our annual revenue. So we sell enough vouchers that the value of those when eventually they're cashed in, so people come for the shoot, they never settle for just a small frame. Because the pictures we create, they really want, they will buy some frames, they will buy some albums, uh, they might buy some additional prints, but historically Those vouchers that we sell in these two days are worth about 10% of our annual revenue. And just as importantly, it helps us connect with our community. This isn't a show that's hundreds of miles away. It's a show that's 10 minutes down the road. And it was so nice to see everyone. I mean, it's just we're part of this village. We're part of the town. We're part of the area. And everybody really knows us for that. So it gave us a chance, admittedly, to stand in the cold and in the hot and in the cold and in the hot. It was one of those crazy weekends where the temperature, as it does sometimes at this time of year, goes up and down uh, like a YOLO. Uh, we took Rufus this year, a cheap trick. It wasn't meant to be a cheap trick. It's just that we didn't have anyone to look after the dog. It's a dog friendly show. So we took him with us. And actually what happened was 90% of the people came to stroke him and we sat him. We, we were dreadful. We sat him underneath a big poster of him uh, because a picture of him won an award a few years ago. And so we sat him underneath that on his mat. He was really happy, loved to see everybody, sat in the sunshine and generally attracted people. Now, one of my favourite moments when someone came hurtling across the field, speaking on a phone and she was being, we could hear, she was on speakerphone, we could hear someone going, you've got to go, I need you to go now and get one of these vouchers because we only sell a limited number. And she was being instructed by a friend to come and buy a voucher from us. A friend couldn't make it to the show. And so she was being <laughs> directed. It was really funny to watch because you could see her looking as she was trying to figure out where we were. And eventually spotted us because we were watching her. And she came running across uh, to buy a voucher because, as her friend said, it was the best picture she'd ever had taken. And while we're running the campaign, she wanted to buy a voucher. It's a lovely thing when you get repeat business like that. We had fantastic neighbours in the stalls either side of us. It was a company called Bellazoo who make uh, or produce beautiful ingredients like olive oils, virgin uh, olive oils, different flavoured olive oils, different vinegars, different spices, different nuts. It was just lovely. Couldn't help ourselves. Yes, we bought a load of it. And then on the other side was a company called Resin Chopping Boards. Not the most original name, but boy, are the boards they make they were so beautiful. Uh, Sarah kept walking over <laughs> throughout the two days, stroking them, looking at them, coming back saying, no, we can't get one. Then she'd go back again. And then she'd return. No, can't get one. And at the end of the day, I have to say thanks to the guys uh, because they dragged her in and said, which one do you like? They offered us a deal we could not say no to. And so I bought her one just because we'd had a really good, really, really good couple of days. And so just to celebrate that, we bought ourselves, or I bought Sarah, a beautiful, I think it's walnut and birch chopping board. Just stunning. And Rufus enjoyed every minute of it. And of course, the Land Rover also attracted an awful lot of conversation. Now, with the two of us, one of the things you have to be able to do is hold people's attention. And that's partly why we have things like the Land Rover. We had the TV screen up there that you couldn't see it very clearly in the sunshine, which was a bit of a shame. Um, can't do a lot about that. So we had the Land Rover, Rufus and, and the TV, because if there's only two of us and we start to get people on to the stand, of course, we don't have any way of slowing them down and we might just lose them. So we have things that you can talk about. We have things that you can look at. We have leaflets and magazines, anything to slow them down and give us a chance to say hello, because if we get a chance to say hello, I get a chance to pitch as to why they should buy the voucher and what that means and how much they'll spend if they come to the shoe. Now, we've always been an incredibly honest business. I built it on that exact value. One of the many we have, but one of them is complete honesty. Now, I know it's not very English is to be willing to talk about money, but of course, you have to. So every time somebody bought a voucher, we chat to them. Of course, the inevitable question comes up is what do you get for the money? And of course, they worry that we're going to do a hard sell later. I would say we're not because we don't. But I don't deny that people are going to spend a lot of money. I know the averages from last year, and I simply quote them. Now, that's a big number. But on the whole, people appreciate the honesty. I say that we archive the images. We never delete them. And that's true. We never do. Which is why I was able to find 16,000 color-corrected images to upload onto Imagine. We don't ever delete the images. That would be, for me something I wouldn't feel comfortable with. Now, I know plenty of sales techniques say you apply a scarcity and scarcity in this instance would probably be you've got two weeks after the shoot, then you delete them. And lots of people ask me about what happens when they come to the shoot, and when they come to the reveal later. So I talk them through it. I talk them through the shoot. I talk them through the process. I talk them through the fun we're going to have. I talk them through how we capture those little magic moments. I talk them through the studio and a garden and I talk them through what happens when they come to the reveal. Of course, they ask me, is it hard sell? Are I going to end up spending thousands of pounds? And I say, there's no hard sell, none at all, but you might just end up spending thousands of pounds, but not because of anything that I'm doing. You'll spend the money because what you're seeing on the screens and what we're showing you, you want. It's a really obvious thing but it can feel a bit alien when you first start to do this, is to say to someone, yep, you're going to spend thousands. But I'm not going to make you spend thousands. You can come and just take the little frame if you want, and it'll be beautiful. We'll make it as beautiful as I can, because I don't want anything out there that isn't stunning. Now, of course, in that process, not everyone is going to bite. I think everybody I spoke to, bar one, did. but one didn't and she was really honest with me and she said listen she said because I she'd asked do I sell files no do I sell prints yes but they're really expensive so I showed her a signed and mounted print and said how much that cost and she kind of blanched a little bit and I showed her a different way of buying prints that would have brought the price down by about 30 or 40 percent but you have to buy 10 or 15 and I could see the look on her face And I knew that probably I was pitching to someone who either didn't value the quality of the product as much as the sale price or simply didn't have the budget. Things are tight. Read the news right now. I don't know if for my friends in the UK, you're reading the news right here. For my friends around the world, I'm guessing you're reading it too. It's not been a good few weeks if, like most of us, with your electricity bills, with mortgage repayments, if you have a mortgage... Um, And just generally the doom and gloom, both of the press, social media, but you don't have to be a rocket scientist to to realize that right now we're not being led by people who know what they're doing. So it's a tough market. And I could see that she wasn't particularly, um, she hadn't bought into it. And so she told me, she said, look, if I could have bought prints for less than you sell them, I would have come. I love your work but I can't afford you. And I think that's fair enough. And I think actually in some ways that's a good answer because the worst thing you can do is something like if you, let's say you do a free shoot voucher. We don't, we charged for it. But if you did a free shoot voucher to get people into the studio, it's better for you for someone to say no and not come than it is for them to say yes and then not buy anything. Now, I know it's a gamble and I'm aware of this particular model, but the reality is if you've pumped energy and you've pumped time and you've pumped effort and probably cost into someone's shoot and then they buy nothing, that's all money you've lost. So it's better for them to say no at the beginning. But there is a sort of a scale of success and it got me thinking about the different ways in which you might regard the outcome of a conversation with someone when you're trying to pitch a shoot. The best outcome, of course, is they say yes, they come for a shoot, and they buy some, preferably something huge for the wall. The second best is probably a sale, but you didn't upsell after the shoot. So they bought into the pitch, they bought into the shoot, but they didn't buy anything. That's not ideal because, like I said, you've now put in effort and you've got nothing from it, but what you want is a positive story out of it. So don't feel downhearted, but make sure they leave with a positive story. Next down the scale is that there's no sell. They didn't buy the voucher, but they did go away with a good story. So in my case, the lady that came and walked away, she walked away with a smile on her face. She'd made a fuss of the dog. She loved the photography, and in the end, she was price restricted. That's all. That's always going to be the case. You know, I'd love to have a Bentley, but I don't because I can't afford one. That doesn't mean I don't like the Bentley. It doesn't mean I won't say to someone that Bentley is beautiful. It doesn't mean that if somebody said they're getting a Bentley, I'd say, oh, don't do it. It's a no sale. I'm not buying it, but I still have a positive story. And that lady went away with a positive story. Further down the scale, you've got no sale and no story. That's just a very dull outcome but you're not going to win any work from that. If they walk away and they don't think anything, well, you really haven't done a job of telling a story that they can retell. But at least they're not doing you any damage. You've just wasted 10 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever your pitch time was, and not got anywhere. And then the worst, the worst, of course, is that you have no sale and a bad story. You don't want that. You really, really don't want that because, as we all know, A bad story is eight times more likely to be told than a good story. People love, and you have to read the papers at the moment, people love a crappy story. So you want to avoid that at all costs. So if you don't get a sale, don't worry about it. Make sure that when the prospect leaves or they leave at the end of a reveal, even if they've come for a shoot and not bought anything, they leave with a positive story to tell, whatever that story might be. The other thing you learn, and we've been doing this a long time, is that there are various time frames for your stories. Some are quick, some are like that. you made a sale. Brilliant. It's done. Some are a very slow burn, though. Sometimes people come back to us years and years and years later. Even today, I had to sign three signed and mounted prints from a shoot that must be at least 10 years old. Uh, to be honest, I recognize the people in it, but I could not place the date. It's that old. But that was another, I don't know what that was, hundreds of pounds worth of prints that went out. Sometimes things take time and the better the story you can tell, the more time you have to turn it into a successful sale. If a positive story stays with someone, they may just come back or they may just tell a friend who will come back. So over these few days, we've sold vouchers, generated quite a lot of social media and made an awful lot of new friends, as well as rekindling some old ones. And all of those, all of those are really important. The sales are important. The conversations are important. Meeting our new friends is really important because it's always just lovely to be around people, particularly after two years when we've been locked in, not well, on and off locked in. And then, of course, some of the old friends where we've had a chance to catch up. You cannot think of a no sale as a failure. Standing on a stand at a show is always, even for people like us where we've done it a long time, is still nerve-wracking because you really want people to love your work and, more importantly, you want to have a stream of business over the coming months. So there's a pressure to it. But you cannot think of a no sale, someone telling you, no thanks, that's not for me, as a failure. It might feel that way at that moment. But in the end, the only one of these that's really a fail is when a bad story is there to be told. So make sure you tell a good story. Make sure the person you're talking to gets a chance to go away and tell that story. Only a bad story is really a fail. Everything else is either a success right now or it's a success for the future. Ultimately, your business is built. On stories so make sure you're telling the stories that you want to be heard for us that was the Land Rover it was the dog and it was me and Sarah having a great great time for two days meeting people greeting people laughing with people and talking about photography as well as talking about families life food and of course because it's British the weather If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do leave us a rating and a review. And of course, wherever it is that you are listening to this podcast right now, hit that subscribe button so that next time we release an episode, it'll arrive immediately onto your gadget, into your ears and into your world, which is where we'd like to be. If you have any questions at all, please do email paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. And if you are a portrait photographer, why not head over to masteringportraitphotography.com where there's a whole ton of useful content all dedicated to the art and the business of portrait photography. But until next time, whatever else is going on in the world, interest rates are going up, the value of the pound is going down. Oh man, there's never been a more important time to be kind to yourself. Take care.